Welcome to the World Nomads podcast, delivered by World Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous, independent traveler. And this is a very adventurous episode. Thanks for tuning in. Kim and Phil with you, exploring every traveler's nightmare. But before we do, Phil, we really should play this. Warning. This episode of the World Nomads podcast has explicit content. Not sweet up for sensitive ears. And we're not joking, right? Yeah. So if you want to cut out now, because there's plenty there's of stuff. language. Yes. And it gets a bit squeamish. Okay. So those that don't want to listen, go now. Those of you that are still with us, this episode we are exploring crapping yourself while travelling, also known as Bali Belly, Delhi Belly, The Pharaoh's Curse, Montezuma's Revenge, The Rangoon Runs, <laughs> and feel free to add your own to the list. And while we will have a few laughs in this episode, as we hear tales of being caught short, traveller's diarrhoea can readily affect your experiences. It's true. It's one of the most common things that people put in a claim for. They say they've got stomach flu or gastro or something, but it's traveller's diarrhoea. causes abdominal pain, cramping that horrible bloated feeling, continually needing to use the bathroom, nausea, loose watery stools, <laughs> fatigue, slight fever, and of course dehydration. That's the thing that really gets you. When you when you get a case of the shits, what's dangerous is that you're going to be dehydrated and of course you can't keep water down. And Yeah, not yes, good. Terrible. And I'm sorry I laughed, but this is, <laughs> this is um, an unusual episode. Um, as you mentioned, we will hear some funny stories, including a couple of rippers from Jay. <laughs> and you're sitting there, your head's there. This poor guy just repeating, like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, as he's just injecting foul, foul things at his asshole. It's, it's tragic. He, he's such a great storyteller. And we'll look at a product that filters dirty water. But let's start with doctor and author Jane Wilson Howarth. This title happens to be a bestseller. <laughs> How to shit around the world, <laughs> the art of staying clean and healthy while travelling. I went a bit evangelistic because I thought, well, this is unnecessary. The suffering is unnecessary. Why not try and get the information out there so that people um, can enjoy their travels without being, you know, having to think about um, clenching their buttocks and or crossing their legs or whatever. But you do get people, and, and we're going to hear from them in this episode, that despite being exceptionally careful with their food uh, and their hygiene and the water that they drink. If you've got to go, you've got to go. Well, yes. I mean, I think you can prevent excessive episodes of diarrhea. So some people keep on making the same mistakes and keep on getting diarrhea. So that's one thing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about is a thing called the gastrocolic reflex, which is the it's the the reason you do your early morning poo after your cup of tea or coffee. Um, so so stuff that's sitting in your rectum wanting to come out as soon as you have your your hot cuppa, about you know about ten fifteen minutes later um, you're on the the throne, and I think when you've got diarrhoea that reflex is increased. So um, and so if you have a hot drink or an ice cold drink you get this reflex bowel action. So one of the things that people think is that they, they drink something and then they want to go for a shit um, and, you know, the world pours out of their bottom. But actually if they drink lukewarm drinks, um, you can actually resist that temptation to, not temptation, but that urge to open your bowels, uh, which may end up 
leaving you soiling yourself if you are just in the wrong place. Obviously, we advise anyone that's traveling to to check with their GP before they do so. But what are some of the simple things that you can do to avoid crapping yourself or shitting yourself around the world? Well, the first thing is if you feel your guts are dodgy, then just don't have very hot or ice cold drinks because that'll just speed everything up. Um, you should, there's this mantra, peel it, boil it, cook it or forget it. Um, so you should try and avoid, I mean, and in the UK, we've got this thing, you've got to eat five pieces of fresh fruit or fresh veg a day. You have to, you have to forget that when you're traveling, if, if you're traveling in places where there's a lot of diarrhea. So things you can peel yourself is okay, but things that are handled by others. Um, so the last time I got a dodgy stomach, which was only last week in, in Kathmandu, I ate a freshly uh, roasted um, sweet corn on hot coals. And the lovely lady who was serving me, she, she wanted to dust all the, the charcoal and dust off the sweet corn. And she was doing that with her hands. Consequently, a couple of days later, my guts were a bit runny. I mean, fortunately, I've spent so long in Nepal now that... Um, I should cross my fingers when I say this, but I don't generally get really, really sick. I just get sort of slightly dodgy guts for a while and feel a bit queasy, but, you know, I don't get really badly ill. But that clearly was something that had been handled um, before it went into my mouth. So her her slightly shitty fingers from washing her bottom after she'd had a shit transferred onto my sweet corn, which got into me, which made me sick. So, So it's things that have been handled by other people, um, so cold pies and things like that. Um, salads, especially lettuce, uh, are fairly disastrous because they grow at ground level and people sometimes shit on the ground and then the lettuce, when it rains, the, the poo gets splashed up onto lettuce leaves. I said, so anything that's grown at ground level can be potentially hazardous to our tummies. Exactly. And especially if it's difficult to peel. So something like a strawberry where you can't really get a sort of, um, yeah, get the skin off successfully. You can't wash it because it's got lots of little crevices. It can actually be quite dangerous. Yes, people die of, of um, profuse diarrhoea and uh, dysentery. Absolutely. And, and so it isn't funny at all. And it's, you know, it's painful. It's, uh, you get a sore um, bottom, you got bellyache, you sometimes throwing up so much that you, you can end up um, puking blood. It's, it's horrible. It's not, not funny at all, really, but we all like to laugh about it. And in retrospect, we all love telling our toilet tales when we get home to a nice, comfortable um, thrones and flush toilets. Um, Not to mention the fact that it compromises your, your travelling or your experience. Yes, yes, exactly. Is there a particular mm. um, bottle that you suggest, you know, with a filter in it or, you know, we have to stay hydrated and particularly in summer, well, not particularly, we have to stay hydrated. Yes, exactly. And some people do get themselves into trouble by being worried about drinking enough and they get dehydration headaches and feel bloody awful. Um, So yes, hydration is really, really important. I personally think that most people worry too much about water quality. If you go into a restaurant, you can ask for a hot drink. Thin soups are really good for hydrating. I've tried to avoid buying bottled water because of the environmental catastrophe that is um, all these plastic um, solid waste disposal problems which are huge 
uh, throughout the world now, as you know. So I tend to to travel with with a one or two water bottles and either get someone to give me some boiling water into them or um, with some iodine drops or some chlorine tablet so that I can I can top up if I need to. Now, despite your knowledge um, in, mm-hmm. and being a doctor, have you got a mm-hmm. good, good shit story? I, <laughs> not a brilliant one. I just think as I'm getting older, I'm finding it much more difficult to hover. So you know, I think I've had more problems going out in the middle of the night without a torch, going to a long drop and thinking, oh, bugger, I should have brought my torch <laughs> and sort of groping around in the dark thinking, where is the hole and what is on the wall? So last time I was up in the hills, um, the toilet I was using had an enormous giant crab spider lurking in the corner. Big, big guys that they don't kill you, but they leave a nasty wound for some weeks afterwards. And I was groping around thinking, can I squat? Can I hover? Um, with my poor old knackered knees um, complaining and then starting to imagine, might there be a snake in here? So um, if you get to a certain age, it's worth doing some work on quadriceps strength, doing some skiing exercises before you go needing to hover over a long drop. A good tip, that one. Thanks, Jane. Now, Jared is one half of Nomadosaurus with his partner, Alicia, who hasn't shadow pants, by the way, (laughs) or anywhere else other than a toilet for that matter, but not so, Jared. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to uh, defecate in quite a few different places. Um, I'm not sure if lucky is the right word, but yeah, it's, uh, Guatemala and China and Thailand and Australia as well, probably in Canada, probably in a few more places that aren't coming to my head at the moment. I can't work it out why I'm like it, but I do it every single place I ever visit. And you're similar to me. When you get that urge, it's now and you can't move because you break the seal. No, exactly. I call it like your stomach drops, you know. It's just that sensation where everything's cool, you're having a great time, you're out hiking or you're chilling out, you're on a bus or whatever, and then all of a sudden your stomach turns and you're like, I have 10 seconds to find myself a bathroom or <laughs> it's going to get really messy in here. And, uh, yeah, it's that's how it's always happened to me. It hasn't been like a long kind of build up, you know, where it's like, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's like being instantaneous yeah, almost. It, it's tough to deal with that one. Do you, um, you know, do you prepare for this? Do you go to the gym and do uh, gluteus exercises <laughs> so you can jam it shut tighter? <laughs> no, but I should now. That's a great idea. I'm going to hit my trainer up about that. Like, yeah, what are you trying to achieve with your fitness yeah, yeah. regime? A well, really you know, tight seal. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to really stop crapping myself. <laughs> uh, tell us some of the stories then. Okay, so I, I've got a few, I guess. And I think the one that first comes to me um, is back in Guatemala, and this is where I guess my my shit story started. So <laughs> we're um, we're hiking up in a volcano near Shayla, I believe, Quetzaltenango, um, which is like a really cool city in Guatemala, and uh, we're doing like an overnight camping trip up this volcano. And there's a couple there, so I can't remember the exact name of the volcano. Sorry, but uh, anyway, it's like a overnight experience. You know, you hike up this volcano, you camp right next to the crater. It's active. There's lava spewing out and smoke. It's quite quite dramatic, and uh, you camp there the night. Next morning you wake up, you watch sunrise from the volcano and then you go back down and everyone's happy and it's been a wonderful experience that you probably don't really talk about again because nothing really exciting happened, unless you're me. Yeah. And then you hike up there and you have dinner with the whole group and it's a great time and sun goes down, it gets really cold really quick because you're at like 3,000 metres or something and time to go to bed. So you put on all your clothes, put on everything you own, you crawl into a sleeping bag, you zip yourself up nice and tight and you go to bed. And about two in the morning, I woke up, stomach had just dropped. And I'm laying there and I'm like, oh, no, 
I'm going to shit myself. And I, go, <laughs> I lean over to Alicia, I wake Alicia up and she looks at me and I've got these, like, even though it's dark, she can see my eyes are just, like, glowing. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, I need a bathroom. She's like, we're on a volcano. On a There's volcano. no bathroom. <laughs> um, so anyway, I uh, kind of flop around like a beluga whale trying to get out of my sleeping bag and then unzip the tent and I run outside and I'm looking around and, I'm shuffling around and I see this big boulder. I'm like, ah, perfect. I'm going to go behind the boulder. It's just far enough away that no one will know what I've done, I hope. So I get back there and uh, I do my business and uh, I took some toilet paper with me. I had enough time to think ahead. So I dig a little hole and do my thing and put it away and uh, realize that I've just done a horrible job. I couldn't do it and it was too hard to kick. And so there's like stuff everywhere and I'm like, Oh, well, whatever, you know, it'll rain at some point up here. It'll get washed away. Like, I'm sorry, volcano gods, I didn't mean it. Um, But I feel much better, so I'm going back to bed. Anyway, so we wake up at like 5 in the morning to get up for sunrise and we all congregate in the middle of the the tent city that we've built and, you know, the guides are, okay, guys, so we're going to hike up a little bit further and we're going to go to the spot for sunrise. Um, All you got to do is like just go up behind this boulder and just find the track. And I had managed to go all over the middle of the track up to the top of the volcano. Did you fess up? Hell no, I didn't fess up until now. There's probably people still, like people tuning in now going like, that guy, was, I remember that. What was the reaction? Oh, people were disgusted. Like, what the, like toilet paper flapping. I feel really bad about it now, but, you know, I didn't have time to think. And yeah. That is an absolute classic. That's a good one. All right, oh. monastery. All right, so I think this is uh, my second favourite shit story. Um <laughs> So we were in we were in like the border of China and Tibet, and we were hitchhiking along there, and uh, we ended up in this little town called Gunza. And we heard that there was a monastery just outside of town that you go there, and the monk there is super friendly, and he lets you camp in his monastery. If you know, and we were traveling with a tent at the time, and we're like, oh, this would be a fun experience, you know, get out of the town that we're in and go, you know, have this cool cultural, authentic experience, you know. So we hitched, hitched out there, and. So anyway, we go and we explore around the monastery and we get back and the monk invites us into his home and he cooks us dinner and it's like this amazing experience wow. and like we're feeling really thankful that we're in this position. And so uh, anyway, he's... I'm, I'm thinking we're going to hear how you repaid this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a Paying donation box. And, uh, yeah, and so we, yeah, having this really cool experience and the monk kind of was like, oh, he's like, sh- he's shivering. He's like, it's going to be cold tonight. You know, you can stay in here. I'll set up a bed for you. I'm like, no, no, we've got our tent. Thank you. Like you've, you've done enough for us. And again, like one, two in the morning, wake up, instant stomach cramps. I'm like, oh no, it's happening again. And I look, look at Alicia and I shake her and she, uh, she wakes up. She looks at me. She's like, well, I'm like, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> And she stares at me for about two or three seconds. And she's like, well, not in here, you're not. And she starts pushing me <laughs> towards the door of the tent. And uh, I'm completely zipped up again because it is cold. It's yeah. like March in Tibet. It's freezing. And, you know, so I quickly try to unzip my sleeping bag. And I'm, I'm wearing like five layers. Oh, I know this is going to be horrible. And so I'm like flopping around again and managed to unzip the tent a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I'm like, that's enough. I can get out. And I like flop out and go face first into the ground into snow. It was snowing. So the monk was right. It was going to be a cold night. It snowed overnight. And uh, so I face first into the snow. So I'm looking around, looking around, and there's a tree. Probably a sacred tree. (laughs) I'm sure it is. And, again, I feel really bad now. Like, calm is going to come back and get me at some point. Anyway, I managed to drop the sleeping bag, get to the tent, uh, Get sorry, get away from the tent and get to the tree, and I do my business. But at that point, 
it had already started coming and it was down <laughs> my leg and all in my favorite, you know, fisherman pants I got from Thailand or something. And oh, I was, I was a mess, you know? And so now I'm standing out here, I'm squatting beneath this tree and it's snowing and I've got crap down my leg and there's crap on the tree and there's crap everywhere and I don't know what to do. So I got nothing to clean myself up with. And so I just take the pants off and start <laughs> cleaning myself and, you know, start and trying to mop up the mess that I left in this beautiful bunion tree or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I gather it all up and I kind of put it aside and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning when there's a bit of light and I'm going to find somewhere to ditch it. And so, yeah, woke up in the morning, gathered my stuff, the tree, it was just a mess and the, the, <laughs> the snow obviously didn't oh, help yeah. with, with the contrast. <laughs> I kicked a bit of snow around and cleaned up what I could and went and ditched it in the, uh, I found like an incinerator. Went and threw my pants in there when thanked the monk and he came and got a <laughs> selfie with us and, you know, it's like this you know, nice photo of us with the monk and like behind us is this absolutely filthy tree. <laughs> and I'm sure he found out later and, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't think they welcome foreigners there anymore. <laughs> Absolute classic. More <laughs> stories like that from Jared and not so much Alicia, as we said on this site, which we will share in the show notes. Look, we asked for some of your court short stories on our Facebook group, the World Nomads Podcast. And please do join in and join in this conversation as well. And we got some of these replies, all right? Millie said, well, there was that one time I forgot to take toilet paper into a loo in Lumbini, Nepal, or when I dropped the toilet paper roll into the squat <laughs> toilet oh, while hiking to Annapurna Base Camp. Oh, and you, there's nowhere where you can get a spare roll. <laughs> Matt's reply was uh, QF587 from Adelaide to Perth. Dodgy Chinese food plus seatbelt sign illuminated equals big uh-oh. <laughs> My friends love this story. He says, Qantas moved me to business and the pilot, <laughs> the pilot gave me a spare pair of jeans. <laughs> Harrowing at the time, but hilarious now. Oh, Tilde said gastro, flight to Bangkok, oh. and shat six times before boarding. <laughs> Got on the plane, felt sweaty, seatbelt sign went on for pushback, had to grank the aircon. His wife told him to relax. His undies were in hand luggage, took off, ran and sprayed the bowl. Never again. <laughs> and you'll leave Vanuatu 2013. On the way to go snorkelling, could not control myself, at least no people around, but a massive coconut crab <laughs> was close to my ass. Never ran this fast in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Great as we stories. mentioned, Travelers Day is no laughing matter and dehydration is one of the biggest issues. But how do you stay hydrated or drink water in places where the water's full of impurities? Travis is from Grail and he explains how you get sick but also tells us about the geopress purifier yeah i you know it's it's really taken it into your hands i you know there are definitely places in the developing world where tap water's fine and certain towns might be but you just never know and if, you, if you're like most people you know you, you travel this precious time and, and it's relatively limited a few weeks or a few months then gosh you're going to spend several days or even longer sick um, just you want to really be careful with particularly the water. And the reason why is you put so much more water in your body than any other possible substance. And so wh- where your body can handle a little bit of any of these impurities that we're talking about, right? You think about when you go swimming, you get a little water in your, on your lips or in your mouth or you eat chips, right? When you come out of the water, you don't get sick from that because your body has some defenses. But if you're going to put a liter of 
water with cryptosporidium or hepatitis A in it, you're definitely going to get sick because it just overpowers the systems that would otherwise protect you. And obviously, you, you make water purifiers uh, as a company, so you can you can remove all those sorts of things from the purifiers? Grail removes the, the whole breadth of impurities, three little bugs that make you sick, bacteria, protozoa, and virus. Right. Now, the first two, bacteria and protozoa, are, are, are fairly similar. There, there's a, there are a bunch of single-cell little bugs that, that float around in, in water. And what they have in common is that their size is relatively large, right? They're, they're a whole cell, and so they're on an order of magnitude that you could, you could see with a relatively low-powered microscope. Virus is really different because virus is so much smaller, right? Virus is not a living cell. So I've heard scientists make analogies between bacteria and protozoa, which are living organisms. They can live all by themselves, like your iPhone can, and a virus, which cannot. It is not a living organism. It's more like a computer program that gets inside of your iPhone, right? That functions as part of your iPhone. The virus will enter a cell, hijack the protein-making processes within the cell and reproduce itself, then explode out of that cell and go infect a, a, a ton more of your body cells. And that's how it makes you sick. And because it is so small, it makes it really difficult for most water treatment devices to remove virus from water. And so you, what you need is a purifier that specifically goes after virus. And another key component is you know, where, where in the world do you need, is a regular filter okay, and where do you need a, a virus? Yeah, a capable on. purifier. Viruses are endemic primarily in the developing world. Okay, bacteria, protozoa, um, these are single-cell organisms. They, they live all over. They infect all kinds of different animals. You know, E. coli can make your dog sick just like it can make a human sick. But virus is different because virus is really human-specific. Right, a virus that infects a human will not infect a dog, will not infect a cat, probably won't even infect a chimpanzee. So these are really, really specific. And so the only way of that the viruses propagate in the water is if they come from untreated sewers. Virtually anywhere, we've got a map on our website, virtually anywhere in the developing world, virus is going to be a problem. You're looking at hepatitis A, hepatitis E, rotavirus kills hundreds of thousands of children under five every year, norovirus. And these are real problems. And to get these out of the water, again, you got to make sure that your whatever system you invest in does bacteria, protozoa, and virus. Very important for international travelers to know. I know local to me, basically, in our region. If you go to Fiji, you I mean, it's a fantastic experience mm-hmm. to get away from the resorts and go up into the, you know, into the local villages. And there's some pretty amazing sort of experiences. There's a lot of whitewater rafting and what have you. But this is a country as well that, like, you know, gets hit by uh, hurricanes and lots and lots of rain and flooding. <laughs> and, of course, all of these local right. villages, they've all got, you know, they're using well water. And then, you know, they try and keep human waste separate, but then everything floods and it all kind of mixes up together. <laughs> and they d- occasionally right. have outbreaks of typhoid. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and, and I, we shouldn't be so cocky. Um, the My city, Seattle, Washington, one of the richest cities in America, just had a huge problem with one of their main sewer plants and it dumped, I don't know, 30 million gallons of raw sewage into the Puget Sound, right? So it can happen anywhere in any natural disaster and your hometown is going to have a problem. But this, it's particularly a problem in these very low-income countries that 
they do the best they can, but they just can't treat all the water. They just can't treat all the sewer. It's a real, real problem. But yeah. for the traveler, you know, what you can do is, you know, an ecologically aware traveler wants to reduce single use plastic, yep. um, leave as small of an impact as they can. And so I, now there's starting to be devices out there that, um, including Grail, but there's some other ones too that, that really can make your water safe and should be considered by all travelers as a, a necessity when you're traveling abroad. You believe in travel the way that we do as well, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. We, we fund, you know, part of what Grail does is fund expeditions, um, ostensibly to go out and get photography and video, uh, which, which they do, but also just because we like to travel. Um, you know, we've been, in the past two or three years, we've been to Vietnam, Colombia, Guatemala, Hong Kong, Kilimanjaro. One of our partners, uh, Brianna J. Wilson, the self-proclaimed um, travel badass, is in Mongolia right now. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, so just all over the world. What we set out to do when we founded the company was support travelers like ourselves, keep folks safe, make them self-sufficient, give them the ability to, to, to travel, creating less waste, and so that they can really go into places where most of their friends would be scared to go and, and go have really authentic experiences and, and then hopefully come back different people, more enlightened, more, more, um, more aware, more humble about uh, just how, how different the world is and how similar people are all over the world and just have those golden experiences. And to do that, you got to stay safe. So It's an interesting point that you make there. A lot of people are scared to go to places where they can, you know, push their boundaries a little bit because they're scared of getting sick, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think people go, you know, to Paris and New York and whatever. These wonderful places, great. Health is a big one and you can't drink the water. Everybody knows that. So what are we going to do? Well, that can't possibly be safe for people like us. So, Let's just go to Disneyland and with a little bit of knowledge and you can go have amazing experiences that folks at Disneyland will never be able to understand. We uh, will let you know in show notes. I think we've got a couple of those to give away. We haven't quite worked out how we're going to do that, but check in show notes and, and we'll, we'll sort it out later. <laughs> we'll sort ourselves out. <laughs> yeah. Now, Phil, Jason Torjinski is the senior editor of Jalopnik. Yes, now, it's a news and opinion website covering topics with, and I'm quoting here, an honesty, transparency and cheerful belligerence that can't be found anywhere else except for this podcast. <laughs> now, he sounds like my kind of person. Yeah. Jason loves a good shit story and was up for a chat about his own tales and those that he's written about. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to be here to talk about uh, bowel movements. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting emailing back and forth. You do realise that that wasn't my shit story. I wrote that shit story, but this is my shit story. <laughs> I, I'm kind of I'm pleased that I had like a backup personal shit story to give you after I had to reveal the other one was someone else's shit story. <laughs> yeah, but well, let's get it because it, it relates to some sort of weird privacy screen in a plane. Yes. Oh God, yes. Okay, so this was a. I wrote this a few years back, and it was uh, a story I had found out about and felt it was important to share with the world because it represents a certain level of willful cruelty. I have to believe <laughs> on the designers of certain kinds of airplane bathrooms. Like, there's no other justification for why this should happen. So, so for some context, it's basically the story of a guy on like a little private jet. And he's there for a business meeting that he just did. It's very important. And there's competitors there. And then there's like this CFO of a company that they're all trying to impress a woman. And he's something goes deeply wrong intestinally. <laughs> and he's like violent, 
violent volcanic shit. And the only bathroom on this plane is like inside the cushion of one of the seats. It's not like it's too small a plane to have its own little bathroom. So you basically lift the cushion off the seat. And he describes there's apparently it's a lovely like mahogany wood toilet seat. <laughs> and there's like a privacy screen that pulls up from the bottom and apparently just hits shoulder level. <laughs> so, so everybody can see your facial expressions. <laughs> exactly. And the context of this, it's a cramped space. There's someone sitting literally right next to you like they would be on an airplane because it's just a regular airplane seat. So there's people in front of you and behind you, or maybe it's in the back row, but there's people in front of you and basically someone right next to you. And you're sitting there with just like a drape up to your shoulders, violently <laughs> blasting out things from your ass, just horrible sounds and splatters and, and bellowing booms. It's just, and you're sitting there, your head's there. This poor guy just repeating like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, as he's just injecting foul, foul things at his asshole. <laughs> It's tragic. You can't. I just, that's impossible you to have a But whilst you, I'm just like, would you contort your face or would you try and look normal? <laughs> oh, what would you do? Could you? Honestly, what they should have provided is they should have had a privacy screen and then like a silken bag to pull over your face. <laughs> that you just didn't take so off. You can pretend nobody is watching you shoot your nuts out right next to them. Not to mention how it must smell. Oh, oh yeah. And a tiny plane too. Oh, that's just... <laughs> It just sounds it just sounds miserable. And he's like sweating and you know, it's it's one of these the way he describes it, this is not like this is not just like a pleasant firm column of ejecta that just coils elegantly out your ass. This is like a violent bursting of of like a firework of feces. It just sounds oh it sounds so I feel so bad for this guy. And absolutely like four years ago. Absolutely destroys the mahogany toilets. <laughs> I think I'd rather just do it in my pants, seriously. (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, as I said when I introduced you, we were toing and froing um, to set this chat up and you said, look, I've got my own shit story. (laughs) (laughs) So do tell us about that. Okay, so this one is is kind of... um it's sort of topical because uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landings. Right. And one of the things everybody always would ask the astronauts is basically, how do you go to the bathroom in space? And the truth is, it's really crude. Like in the Apollo, in the, in the, the capsule we took to the moon didn't really have its own bathroom there just wasn't honestly there wasn't time to develop all that stuff we're too busy figuring out how the hell to get to the moon so they reused the system that they used in the gemini flights before the apollo flights and that system was a plastic bag (laughs) that gets stuck to your ass that's, that's it so you just picture you know a similar scene is like in the Apollo capsule, which is like the inside of it was about the size of like a van. Uh, there's three guys there, and at any given point, one of those guys could be floating around because remember no gravity <laughs> with a bag stuck to their ass, filling it full of shit, and the other guys you know trying not to notice. And then oh, it gets worse because the bag had these little indentations for your fingers because you because okay two reasons one in zero gravity the shit doesn't just fall out of your ass. You have to maybe sometimes actually pull it away because it's just floating. And then they had these antibacterial pellets they had to put in the bag and then mush it up with their hands. Oh. Just, okay. So we it, we all agree this sounds miserable. Yeah. But 
I decided I need to take it a step further. Like I've read this before, but I felt like empirically I couldn't really comment on it unless I knew more about what it's like. So I reverse engineered the Apollo fecal bag. <laughs> I got like a gallon Ziploc bag and I made like a similar like upper frame that they had and I made it adhesive. I used like double-sided adhesive stuff and I followed the instructions that NASA themselves published and I stuck it on my ass <laughs> and then I went into my shower because <laughs> that seemed to be the smartest place to do this and I filled it full of hot disgusting waste. <laughs> Was, there was no zero gravity. I couldn't really figure out a way to simulate that, but I kind of. Yeah, what, no, you could have done. You, what you could have done is like just jump into the air, and as you sort of get to the top of the arc. Well, I don't know if I could have because just letting yourself. After years of being toilet trained, I'm not bragging. I am a little, but after years of being toilet trained, it's hard to just let yourself shit when it comes to not on a toilet. Like jumping, I don't think I could have jumped and let myself shit. It was hard enough just standing there going, it's okay to shit. I have a plastic bag stuck to my ass. <laughs> but it took a while to like work up enough, like get past all the training. And it was weird. And then so I, I, I did this and the, and I, the thing I learned that apparently is I've never seen mentioned in any of the histories of the Apollo missions or anything. And they must've done this, but when you're removing a roughly like bagel shaped uh, <laughs> adhesive area from your ass and into the perineum area, it fucking hurts because there's hair there if you male. I basically gave myself like a donut shaped Brazilian as I yanked this thing off. And it hurt like hell. That skin is not used to. Uh, it was, it's sensitive. Um, it's a sensitive area, isn't it, Jason? What's that? It's a sensitive area. It is a sensitive area. Yeah, because there's like lower scrotal zones in there. And, and it's, it's an area that, you know, in general in my life, I count myself lucky. It doesn't take that much abuse. I don't so, uh, question. And there's nothing pleasant about the process. It's <laughs> an amazing thing humans did, but the way we shat to get there was <laughs> So the oh. for both the astronauts and yourself, what about the wiping? Well, the wiping, I think, was pretty conventional. I think they had, like, little wet wipe things to take care of that. Oh, and I did... I did make myself mush up the poop through a bag. <laughs> like, it's, um, it's terrible. I mean, it's not like it hurts, but it's just, you know, it's disgusting. It's, nobody wants to do that. <laughs> At least they could have given them, were they, you know, transparent bags? Oh, surely they were oh, opaque, no, right? No, they were transparent bags. Oh, oh, that's oh. just rude. Yeah. <laughs> so my bag was transparent also, oh. and I promised my editor there would be no photographs in the article but i knew people were gonna try to say i didn't really do it so i actually do have a couple photos of the uh, <laughs> uh that i haven't published but i'm you know if anybody really challenges me i'm, I'm ready with proof oh please give us one for show notes oh, I no. beg you. <laughs>
Jason, oh, I so knew gross. I knew just reading your your articles you would be a great chat. You you made us cry, you made us laugh. I'm snorting. Yeah, Phil snorting. Um, I'm glad. I don't yeah, it's hard to get people to let me talk about this, so this is a We will have a link to you in show notes along with Jalopnik. Look fabulous. I have, just fabulous. I have a book out also, which has nothing to do with shit. It's about autonomous cars, but you can read it while defecating. So buy the book and then defecate for long periods of time. I'm while reading it. <laughs> I'm snorting too. Oh, God. Mate, thank you so much. <sighs> hey, was... thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, he is On the an, plane. <laughs> he is an absolute classic, isn't he? Look, confession, I'm a shitter. Okay. Um, I've done it many, many places, yep. many, many stories. I'll give you two very quick ones <laughs> before we hear from Kate. Uh, one of them... In pristine waters off uh, in an island off Japan, uh, yes. um, Ishigaki, part of the Okawana pre- Beautiful. <laughs> prefecture. Beautiful. Pristine. Pristine. Yes. Um, not, ne- any, ne- not anymore, I gather. <laughs> <laughs> in the water, needed to go. Oh. So I just sort of slipped my bathers across. Yeah. I did it into the current. <laughs> <laughs> it's all this stuff. I'm thinking, what if what have I dug up here? Novice the contents of my bowels. <laughs> You're loving that, aren't you? Still in Japan because this is hysterical. Um, I basically pooped my way around Tokyo, but the best crap I had was in Takashita Street. (laughs) (laughs) True story. True story. And, of course, it doesn't mean take a shit. It means something to do with bamboo swaying in the breeze. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I can't beat, though, this this woman. Kate, are we happy to say that you work for World Nomads, Kate? Uh, Well, you've said it now. (laughs) (laughs) You have so many shit stories. We just had to get you on this episode so you can share a few yes it's an anthology of shit stories <laughs> um, although when you you just talked about farting i have actually got a good farting story well oh, let's <laughs> let's ease into it with a bit <laughs> yeah, of farting let's start further up the bowel um so i was on a plane flying back from turkey after two weeks of a heavy fresh tomato and feta cheese diet <laughs> And my husband and I always used to grade our farts. So a small fart is a mini cooper, if you will, uh, yes. to what we like to refer to as the Queen's coronation carriage of farts. <laughs> I did the smallest, smallest fart, and the woman next to me who was fast asleep woke up coughing and grasping at the window <laughs> to get out of the plane. Oh, are you serious? And that was a Queen's coronation carriage. It's never been achieved since. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily have to be the loudest or the longest. It's just, it's just, just the, the deadliest. It's the power. The deadliest. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move down the bowel a little. Come on. Yeah, so um, look, I'd like to say all of these things happened before I had children, so I can't really use that as an excuse. But it seems since my late teens there has been an issue with a loose bowel <laughs> And um, the worst one as a teenager, you know, you're very self-conscious. I was about 15. I was on a school trip in Coventry. Went to see the Pope, funnily enough. And after we went to see the Pope, we went on this big hike. And I was wearing what were fashionable in the mid-80s, a yellow jean. Oh, nice. And we were on this hike and we've been staying at this youth hostel with 
you know, suspect hygiene and anyway, realised that I was uh, going to shit my pants. So, you know, when you get the terrible stomach cramps and then you yeah. realise no matter how tight you squeeze your sphincter, <laughs> nothing is going to stop this coming out. A, yeah. Yeah, as we You're heard actually earlier. only going to make it worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I decided to sort of hang back on the walk with these, you know, lots of teenagers from my school and oh. anyway, start diarrhea, filled the gene from the ankle up to the waist. <laughs> and, of course, it's they're yellow. So, you know, there's an issue there. Yellow is not going to be a primary colour over the top of brown. So my friend Katie walking behind me going, for God's sake, tie something around your waist, because she could see it all seeping through the gene. <laughs> Poor girl. And when we got to the top, um, it was Simon Lingham's dad, actually, that was leading the group. He said, right, right everyone's got to touch the stone at the top. Oh, you know, no. You've got to the hike. And I was just like, I don't need to get to the top. I'm fine, thank you, Mr Lingham. I'm just happy to stand back here and watch you all touch it. I've just touched um, the cloth. <laughs> yeah, I've touched cloth. I don't need to touch a rock as well. So then I had to go down to the youth hostel and I had to peel these jeans off. Oh, and because they were my favourite jeans, I thought, well, I'm taking them home. <laughs> so after I'd showered, I put them in a bin liner. And then when we got home, my mum was going through all my washing and she opened this bag and was like, what the hell is in here? And I said, oh, it's just my yellow jeans had a bit of an accident. And threw them onto a bonfire that my dad was having in the garden. <laughs> he burnt them. Oh, all that effort for a nothing. <laughs> All right. You're no stranger to it, as you said. Give us a couple more. Well, I have chosen to so many scenic places in the world <laughs> where I sat my pants, unfortunately. We were in Halong Bay staying on a houseboat at the time, I think, when Halong Bay really did have pristine waters. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. And I could feel, again, the rumble in the regions. So I thought I'll jump off the boat and have a little swim. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there was a great fan of chickpea-related things <laughs> around me. It was like, it was quite beautiful. It was like a sort of fan around me. And then other people on the boat, all went, oh, that's a brilliant idea, Kate. And they all jumped in and they were swimming through my effluent. <laughs> then another time I got caught short, I was in, in Rome and I was in a park opposite the Colosseum and I, when I need to go, I need to go. So I went into some bushes and discovered that all of the bushes in this park were homeless people were living there. And I've had to move all the way to the edge of where the railing of the park meets a flight of stairs, which I didn't realise. There's like 400 steps that come up. And as I'm there doing my business, wiping my bum with my undies, there's all these tourists walking up <laughs> <laughs> to get a picture of the Colosseum. And there was jeering and, and applause. Um, so that was quite embarrassing. And then another time, I was at the uh, Palace of Versailles and oh. having a picnic in well, the Well, there's gardens. plenty of bushes to hide in there, yeah. Well, you, you, you'd think so, Phil, but it's more <laughs> avenues of trees than bushes. So we'd gone off walking for about a mile to find a lovely picnic spot, and then I realised I needed to go, as, as, as is my way. And so I had to go behind a tree with my best friend keeping watch, and I had to use... The pages at the back of her book, page uh, other novels by this author pages <laughs> um, as toilet paper. And then when my husband came back, because he'd gone off for a walk, he came back and Ruth said, come and see what Kate's done. It's amazing. It really was. It was, it was like a cow pat. I mean, it was extraordinary. And my husband took a photo of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and oh, I'm, I'm, that's and I'm, love. For a while, it was on our fridge under a fridge magnet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll wrap this episode up here, Phil. You can get the World Nomads podcast from wherever you grab your favourite podcast. And please feel free to share, rate and subscribe. Have you got anything to say? <laughs> oh, if you want to email us with your own shitting stories, then do so at podcast at worldnomads.com. And look for the World Nomads podcast Facebook group as well. We mentioned that one earlier. And let's continue the conversation there. I'd love yeah. to hear There'll be a picture of Kate's crab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some pretty good photos of you and I in <laughs> tears during the making of this episode. All right. Exactly. Next week, from tears or from, yeah, from tears of laughter to uh, up tears of you know, sadness. sadness, JD found wandering a market alone in the Philippines at age five. His story, truly amazing. That's next time we meet. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.